one of the main thrusts in up the winter trail is life in the cold seasons on Fowl Lake, late autumn, winter, and early spring. Yes, up the winter trail is about hiking and riding on winter trails, but you'll find, uh, not surprisingly, that the author digresses a lot to life on Powell Lake during the winter. It's the first real winter that I spent on the lake, and uh, I saw a lot of weather, and it fascinated me. Here's an excerpt from one of the chapters of Up the Winter Trail called Little Big Storm. I adjust the TV rabbit ears for the only coastal BC weather forecast I can find. The weatherman is skeptical regarding any major break in the autumn rain. He describes the situation on the satellite map. A huge storm is offshore to the west, and there is a leading edge split that looks like it will provide Powell River with a short blast of rain tonight, followed by a brief respite tomorrow morning, followed by an even bigger blast. Rain begins in the late evening. When the sun comes up behind clouds, the precipitation has stopped. The sky looks threatening, with cumulus breaks to the south and a solid black wall of clouds to the west. The morning TV paints a bleak picture. Things change fast this time of year. The big storm is caught up to the smaller disturbance, and they have merged on the satellite loop into a large mass. This blast is headed directly towards us. It isn't the rain that worries me. The wind, on the other hand, can make Powell Lake formidable. It's time to get going and try to make it to my cabin before the wind gets worse. In this area, southeast winds are the killers, roaring up the Strait of Georgia, intensifying in the narrow passage between Texeda Island and Powell River. The channel, Malaspina Strait, has a historic record of claiming boats during southeasterly winds. At the shingle mill, I load the boat quickly in increasingly gusty winds. I back out of the dock and am outside the breakwater and on plane rapidly. The choppy waves keep my speed below 20 kilometers per hour. I head across the lake towards the east shore where there is some protection from the wind. The waves are not as bad as expected. They have a short frequency and that keeps their size under control. Small swells whap at the hull rather than whop at it. A good sign. Near Haywire Bay, I watch a boat in the middle of the channel, heading southward. I visualize a cabin owner who traveled to his float yesterday under sunny conditions, trying to coax an autumn weekend out of the weather pattern. Now, after hearing the latest forecast, he is rushing home this morning rather than waiting until tonight. The big storm is catching the little storm, and an experienced local is headed down the lake from this cabin. Meanwhile, I am headed up the lake to my floating home. What's wrong with this picture? The open water north of Cassier Island is amazingly calm in comparison to its normal choppiness. The autumn transition of this area of water from its normal summer roughness is a mystery. 
I attribute the autumn's calm in this area to the gusty winds that whip off the nearby mountains. It leaves this open stretch of water more confused than normal. In the confusion, the waves seem to even out. In fact, I am able to push the throttle up a bit. I add a touch of bow up trim to increase my speed to 30 clicks. The improved conditions last all the way into hole in the wall. I round the bend at the green navigation beacon. The hole is calm, with two small puffy clouds hugging the water in the back bay. I dock before the rain begins. Just as I unload the last few items from the boat, a splattering of large raindrops starts. If I had departed the shingle mill a few minutes later, I would have unloaded in the rain. Today I am lucky. Nothing much happens weather-wise for the rest of the day. The rain continues, but it remains fairly light. I can still visualize the giant comma-shaped cloud mass on the TV's satellite map, a wound-up low-pressure center. I'm certain it hasn't evaporated. Probably it lingers just offshore, near the tip of Vancouver Island, gathering energy and packing its isobars closer together, a sure sign of strong winds. Near sunset, I step out onto the float cabin's deck, protected from the light rain by my hat. I hear the roar of waterfalls in front of me, against Goat Island. From my majestic viewpoint, water pours in three distinct streams, winding downward on the face of Goat. Long twists of tumbling water are interrupted by dramatic straight plunges. Just out of sight, behind the firs to the south, an even bigger waterfall drops to the lake. I cannot see it, but I hear it pounding down behind the trees. I focus my binoculars on the waterfalls, scanning from left to right across the face of goat. I scan upward until the tumbling streams are lost in clouds near the top of the island mountain. These waterfalls seem too powerful to dry up quickly, but I know they will vanish within a few hours after the rain stops. Even the biggest of these falls will dwindle to a trickle the day after an autumn storm passes. But there are other waterfalls in this region that persist, falls that rival the most beautiful in the world. In the nearby high country, they are everywhere. Near 11 p.m., the rain intensifies. I lie half awake as drops splatter noisily on the metal roof. Soon after midnight, the main blast of wind arrives. Its approach brings me wide awake. I can hear the wind headed my way, like a freight train. Distant and subdued at first, the frontal gusts arrive, swirling in all directions. A low falls, and then another series of gusts. Each blast is bigger than the previous. The worst gusts tumble off the cliff beside the cabin. Airflow redirected by the granite wall. It is these off-cliff winds that shake the cabin the most and set it in motion. The anchor cables stretch to their limit and then suddenly grab the cabin, jerking it to an immediate halt. Plump. It is a slow wind-up you barely feel. Then another builds and climaxes with a sudden stop. Plump. The bedroom window, barely cracked open, is caught by a gust. Rain whips onto me. 
You know the winds are at the limits of comfortable when this occurs. I close the window and hang on, mentally, to the next whomp. It's amazing in conditions like these that the roof stays attached. I hear the metal sheets only a few feet above me, struggling against the storm. I sleep in short stints over the next few hours. Every once in a while, a whomp from the cables jars me awake. At 3 a.m., I awaken again to complete silence. I slip downstairs to check the outside conditions. Stepping out onto the deck, I find the air amazingly calm. I look up to see stars shining between gaps in the overcast. The winds aloft push the clouds swiftly to the north. Little Big Storm is rapidly exiting the area. Hole in the wall returns to tranquility. Thanks for listening.